Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now, in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. I'm Mark Levin. Our number is 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. We've got a lot of cover today. I'm glad you're here. Thank you. By the way, Life, Liberty, and Levin on Sunday, 8 p.m. Eastern, the entire hour, we'll be discussing Rush, Sean Hannity and I, and I have an opening monologue. I hope you'll, you'll tune in. I will not be here tomorrow. I have some surgery, not life and death, but... Real surgery, and so uh, I'm taking off tomorrow, and then I'll recover over the weekend, and I'll be here on Monday. And uh, I just wanted to point out the Sunday program. Uh, I think you'll, uh, I think you more than anybody else will appreciate it and like it. And by the way, uh, Biden has sold out to communist China already. Biden has now sold out to Iran. They've got no leverage. They're they're starting to buckle in on the uh, on the pressure on Iran. This is going to be a disaster. Our enemies could not be happier. Biden is a war with America from within. Every lunatic idea. Now they're looking at reparations. 160 years later, they're looking at reparations when the vast majority of Americans, their ancestors, weren't even involved in the Civil War let alone with the Confederacy. But this, this is so opposite of what Lincoln wanted, healing and unity, and they talk about healing and unity. They want none of that. The Democrats are trying to subsidize their base, trying to make their base happy, redistribute wealth under whatever pretext. All of this is intended to empower and make permanent the Democrat Party. I say it over and over and over again. That's the lens through which I think we need to look at this. Same with the immigration plan. Why would you have twenty-five to 30,000 people come into this country, 
rather than wait in Mexico, we have a deal with Mexico thanks to Trump, come into this country while they're Their status is being processed over the next two or three years. And then you tell them, make sure you come back. And we know, as a matter of fact, over 95% of them secrete themselves in the country and never come back for any kind of adjudication. You can only do that if you want to sabotage the process, sabotage legitimate immigration rules. For the purpose of doing what? Enhancing the power of their party. And of course, they always wrap it in, in righteousness. And if you raise concerns, they're always indignant, and they always claim that you're intolerant. Let me put it to you this way. Is there a single policy that Democrats support when it comes to immigration, when it comes to race, when it comes to education, when it comes to anything, that results in more Republican votes? Of course not. Is there a single policy they support that results in redistributing power or rights or money to Republicans or conservatives? Of course not. Every single thing they do is intended to empower them, empower their constituents, and crush their opponents. That's what they're all about. More on this a little later. I want to focus right now on Andrew Cuomo. Now, I think it's very, very important that there is a U.S. attorney and the FBI investigating what his administration did. Very important. I think it's very important we now have Democrats speaking out against Andrew Cuomo. I think it's very important we now have some corners of the media reporting on Andrew Cuomo. But why didn't they do it on March 25th and 26th? Why didn't they do it when we raised the problem right here on national radio? Where was Jeremy Peters of the New York Times? Where was Philip Bump of the Washington Post? Where were all these people? If they had reported on this and objected to this early on, many, many lives would have been saved. Many lives would have been saved. So now we're kind of in after-the-fact situation here. We're, quote-unquote, trying to figure out what happened, and now there's a cover-up. But on March 26th on this program, we talked all about it, thanks to Dr. Healy, who called the program and pointed it all out. We played this for you. I won't do it again. Yet, where were all these media outlets? Where was Mayor DeCamio? Where were these Democrats who are now speaking out in the assembly in New York and Albany? They were nowhere, absolutely nowhere. It's appalling. Now, Ron Kim is a Democrat in New York. Democrat in New York. And here's the thing. He goes on the morning schmo show with Scarborough and his sidekick to talk about how Cuomo shouted at him. So all of a sudden, MSNBC and these frauds on Scarborough's show are concerned about the the death of elderly and sickly people in nursing homes and senior citizen facilities. All of a sudden, where were they on March 25th? Where were they on March 26th? Everybody was praising Cuomo. The Democrats were praising Cuomo. I said behind this microphone, why isn't Biden criticizing Cuomo? This is during the course of the election. And he still hasn't criticized Cuomo. Party first, baby. Party first. So this guy, Ron Kim, goes on the morning schmo show to complain about Cuomo. 
which is really bizarre. Because the Morning Schmo Show has had their collective heads up his butt now for how many years? I don't know. They were blaming all the deaths on Donald Trump, which was grotesque. Which was always grotesque. Some 70,000 people have died since Joe Biden has been in office. Not one of those deaths has been blamed on Joe Biden. Not one. Boy, the media in this country suck, don't they? But here he is, Ron Kim. He goes on the Morning Schmo Show to talk about something the Morning Schmo didn't give a damn about for months and months and months as they were obsessively focused on trying to destroy Trump, not on this rogue governor. And there are many rogue governors. Cut to go. Are those the numbers that, uh, that you and others believe he's trying to cover up the number of people that died uh, in nursing homes in part because... So listen to what an idiot this guy is, the uh, uh, Scarborough. Of course that's part of it, you moron. Anyway, go ahead. Uh, because of the order to move uh, COVID patients into nursing homes? I think that's partially it. Those numbers did finally come out. There were uh, there's a total of 9,000 COVID positive patients that were transferred back to nursing homes in, in about in the two-month time period where he had so a So, Mr. Kim, where were you when we brought this up on the program? Where were you? You were nowhere. None of you were anywhere. The Democrats were scared to death. They wanted to blame everything on Trump when Trump had nothing to do with this. Zero. Where was Scarborough? All these people gave aid and comfort to what Cuomo did, and now they're turning on Cuomo. Where was MSNBC? Where was CNN? Where were all these people? They were nowhere. Go ahead. Then the nursing homes couldn't reject them. Um, these were underprepared nursing homes. I know this because I was on the ground working with them. They were crying that they couldn't do this. Half of the staff members already had COVID by then, and they were out. They weren't working. But Governor, um, you know, he just doubled down and tripled down. Other states might have adopted those policies, but they quickly repealed and moved in an entire direction to a point where they started banning uh, COVID positives in nursing homes. But he continued to do that, and it was a bad policy. And that's, but that's not the point, Joe. I think we can all understand on the first wave, you could have made some mistakes. I think the public, myself, we would have sympathized and continued to work with him. But he shut us out. He covered information, and he doubled, tripled down on bad policies. And that's why we're here today, because he refused to talk about the truth and acknowledge the mistakes so we can move the state forward. And the Democrats closed the ranks. When some of us were beating the pots and pans over this issue, including Mr. Kim, he was part of those who closed the ranks around Cuomo, including their media at the New York Slimes and the Washington Compost. And isn't it amazing, ladies and gentlemen, there hasn't been a single hearing in the Democrat-controlled House and the Democrat-controlled Senate over the deaths of these people in these nursing homes in New York. There hasn't been a single hearing over the Cuomo policy in Congress. Not one. That's because Chuck Schumer controls the Senate. And Mitch McConnell's busy attacking Donald Trump and wanting him criminally prosecuted. That's because Nancy Pelosi 
controls the House. And she doesn't care about her fellow human beings. She's a power-hungry old lady. That's what she is. That's right, I said it, because that's what she is. More from Ron Kim when we return. I'll be right back. Are you worried about America's future? Times of trouble are full of reasons to despair. But those who built and have preserved our country didn't despair. So to do our part, we need to draw on the books, the history, and the ideas that gave our forefathers and mothers strength and inspiration. Hillsdale College was founded in 1844 to teach these very things, and it teaches them still today. We can all study these things, all with Hillsdale College professors right in our homes. Through Hillsdale's free online courses, we can study the history of our civilization, the wisdom of ancient and Judeo-Christian philosophers, and the writings of Shakespeare and Mark Twain. We can reacquaint ourselves with our Constitution. We can learn how the Constitution has been undermined, and more importantly, how it can be recovered. Friends, as we fight in defense of family, faith, and freedom, let us draw on the best of the past with Hillsdale's guidance to save the greatest nation on earth. Begin learning today at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. levinforhillsdale.com. All right. More on Ron Kim, the New York Assembly member, Democrat, about what Cuomo's doing to him now that he is finally speaking out. Cut three, go. Governor Cuomo called me the, late, the next day at 8 p.m. while I was about to bathe my kids. I was with my wife, and for 10 minutes, uh, he berated me. Uh, he yelled at me. Uh, he told me that you know my career would be over. He's been biting his tongue for months against me. And I had tonight, not tomorrow, tonight, to issue a new statement, essentially asking me to lie um, and asking me, like, I, I just, I heard and I saw a crime the other day. And he's asking me that I did not see that crime. And, and that was the line that he, you know, a line that he crossed that, that, that can't be undone. And that's why I had no choice uh, but to come out and, and speak up. So Cuomo acting like a mobster, like most Democrats do. I bet there's a lot of this sort of stuff going on with the governor of Michigan, the governor of Illinois, the governor of New Jersey, the governor of California, and so forth. And there's been this uh, this battle going on all throughout this pandemic between uh, DiCamio and Dumo, the governor and the mayor, both of whom are left-wing kooks. You know, Cuomo likes to pretend he's some kind of centrist. No, he's a left-wing kook. Both of them have cost many lives in that city and in the state. They've all but destroyed the NYPD. They've all but destroyed commerce in New York City and other parts of the state. They inherited these fantastic people, these fantastic businesses, these fantastic metropolitan areas, and they ruined them. They ruined them. But now, DeCamio is on again the morning schmo and Mrs. Schmo show. So all of a sudden, the schmoes are concerned about the people who are in the nursing homes. All of a sudden, they're concerned about the lives that were lost in the nursing homes. A little slow. Joe's always been a little slow. You know, he's always on the hamster wheel, but he, he runs on the outside of the hamster wheel which is why he bangs his head all the time. 
But here we go. DeCamio, cut four, go. Yeah, but that's classic Andrew Cuomo. Um, a lot of people in New York State have received those phone calls. Uh, you know, the bullying is nothing new. Um, I believe Ron Kim, and it's very, very sad. No public servant, no person who's uh, telling the truth should be treated that way. Um, but yeah, that, the, the threats, the, the belittling, uh, the demand that someone change their statement right that moment, uh, many, many times. I've heard that, and I know a lot of other people in this state have heard that. So why have you kept quiet the whole time? Why didn't you say anything? What, what is this? Go ahead. So you believe Assemblyman Kim that he was threatened? So stop there. So there's the genius Gerber. Uh, so you believe Assemblyman Kim that he was threatened? He just said that, you idiot. That's why he's on a backwater network on a backwater time slot. Now, for most other hosts, it would be a big-time time slot, but not, not an MSNBC. Go ahead. 100%. It's, uh, first of all, I know him. Uh, he's a good public servant. Uh, I've always seen him as a person of integrity, but it's just the script is exactly what a lot of us have heard before. It's not a surprise. It's sad. It's not the way people should be treated. And, you know, a lot of people get intimidated by that. I give him credit for not being intimidated. Mm-hmm. Apparently you, too. If you've heard it and it's been done to you, you haven't said a damn thing about it. The Democrat Party controls New York pretty much lock, stock, and barrel. They control Albany. They certainly control New York City and all the boroughs. And um, this has been a disgraceful episode in how they've mishandled this pandemic, the loss of life, the suffering that's gone on, the people, if they can, trying to get the hell out of there as fast as they can. Meanwhile, taxes are going up. Security's going down because they're war on the cops. Infrastructure is all cracked up, despite all the money they have. And so they want a bailout now, and Biden and Schumer want to give them the bailout to the tune of $50 billion. $50 billion in this so-called COVID relief bill of $1.9 trillion. Now let me explain something. The Congressional Budget Office and a lot of private economic forecasters say that the American economy really is breaking out now. We have 6.3% unemployment, three-fourths of the years in the Obama administration. That's about the rate of unemployment. They want to put $1.9 trillion into the economy, pay off their mayors, pay off their governors, pay off the teachers' unions, and explode the debt so far we're going to have massive inflation. That's what the Democrat Party is doing. I'll be right back. Are you worried about America's future? Times of trouble are full of reasons to despair. But those who built and have preserved our country didn't despair. So to do our part, we need to draw on the books, the history, and the ideas that gave our forefathers and mothers strength and inspiration. Hillsdale College was founded in 1844 to teach these very things. And it teaches them still today. We can all study these things, all with Hillsdale College professors right in our homes. Through Hillsdale's free online courses, we can study the history of our civilization, the wisdom of ancient and Judeo-Christian philosophers, and the writings of Shakespeare and Mark Twain. We can reacquaint ourselves with our Constitution. We can learn how the Constitution has been undermined, and more importantly, how it can be recovered. 
Friends, as we fight in defense of family, faith, and freedom, let us draw on the best of the past with Hillsdale's guidance to save the greatest nation on earth. Begin learning today at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. levinforhillsdale.com. ever talk back to your radio then you must be listening to mark levin pick up the phone and call 877-381-3811 you know ladies and gentlemen not enough attention is being paid to the fact that biden and his administration have been disastrous when it comes to our schools and our children that's because your children and your grandchildren are not their first priority. Not offending their teachers union, wholly owned and paid for by the Democrat Party and vice versa, is their number one priority. Remember, it's about power for the Democrat Party. We have millions and millions of children in this country who have not set their foot in a classroom since this virus broke out. We have other millions of children who have barely set foot in a classroom. I live in a county, Loudoun County, Virginia, where a neighbor of mine told me, I I assume they're accurate, that the teachers got a 7% increase in this county. Maybe it was 5%. He said 7%. There should be no increase. Zero. Zero. So suddenly it's righteous and it's science. For teachers not to go to work in classrooms in these extremely expensive facilities that we have built for them. Not only should they get vaccinated, but the children have to get vaccinated. So that means another two or three years where your kids don't go into a classroom on a regular basis. That's not what the science says. That's not what the CDC said in the Trump administration or this administration. And yet to listen to this administration, whether it's Biden or Harris, or Pasaki. They make no sense. They mumble their way through this. They contradict each other. I thought the whole purpose of having a family, of having a school system, was to raise our children, to protect our children, to make our children capable of functioning in the future adulthood. Socially functioning, functioning within our economic system. Look what we're doing to them. Why are we doing this? Because the Democrats and the teachers union have a stranglehold on our communities. They have a stranglehold on our classrooms. And I'm sick and tired of it. They don't believe in listening to the science. These unions are thug unions. They're mobsters. Shaking down the taxpayer. Shaking down the parents. And where the hell are the parents? I don't want to hear about the PTAs and the PTOs. They're a joke. Parents by the thousands should be attending their school board meetings. By the tens of millions all over the country. They should be demanding either those schools open or that they get a voucher to send their kid to whatever school they want to. Why are we so passive? Why are we so passive? 
Parents should be organizing in every community in this country and all over the country and demanding that those doors be opened. We actually have (coughs) school boards, school administrators, and teachers unions preventing our children from being adequately educated, even though we fund them and fund them and fund them. Why do we put up with this? Why do we tolerate this? If I were a parent of a school-aged child, and I'm not now, you better believe I'd be showing up at every damn board meeting. I'd be stirring the pot. I would demand one of two things. Either you open these damn schools, because we paid for them and we own them, or give us the tax dollars to send our kids somewhere else. Because we don't want to pay for platinum education and wind up with crap education. This isn't about the teachers in their union. Sorry, it's not. They're supposed to exist for us and our children. They're supposed to be public employees. Now, if you happen to be in a community where the schools are open, I'm not talking about you. But millions of kids are not living in those communities. And then we have Washington, D.C. with a $2 trillion bailout, another quarter of a trillion dollars to go to the schools, where they already have $60 billion. But if the teachers aren't going to go to class and they're not going to teach, why are we sending them anything? No, you don't need to change the HVAC system. What bullcrap? Every excuse for massive spending is a condition of opening our schools. And I don't want to hear from another Democrat, another phony civil rights leader, about how they stand for minorities and minority children. It is they who force these parents and these kids into these school systems and then don't find a way out for them and don't want to find a way out for them. If you're on the poverty rolls and you're on food stamps, how the hell are you going to afford computers and software and basic training to get your kid on one of those computers? If you're a one-parent household and you're already having some difficulty controlling your kid, how are you going to get that kid to sit in front of that computer five hours a day? The left is about the left. The Democrat Party is about the Democrat Party. This is a crime. This is a sin. We got a governor and other governors shoving COVID-positive patients in the nursing homes and senior living facilities where the elderly can't even defend themselves. They don't even know what's going on. Then we have at the other end of the spectrum our little kids, little kids, who are prevented from going to school, prevented. We now have the teachers' union standing in the doorhouse way to prevent our kids from having access to the classrooms that we paid for. Meanwhile, we continue to pay these salaries. We pay salary increases. We continue to contribute to their pensions and their medical care. And these teachers aren't hunkered down under their desks at home. They're out and about at restaurants vacations if they can, Walmart, the gas station, 
They're living their lives. But it's as if we put tape around our schools that nobody can enter. Don't enter here. And it is the least vulnerable place on the planet, a classroom. The least vulnerable place on the planet. And so corrupt are the Democrats in their union. And so corrupt is Fauci the federal government that now he says, we got to pass the Biden spending program, you see. Fauci. One day a book will be written on Fauci and what a deadly disaster he is and has been throughout the decades, but especially now. Meanwhile, there are people who do want to work in the private sector. You know, when you're running your own business or you have your own job and you're trying to make ends meet, you want to work. You don't have any guaranteed income like a teacher. You don't have a guaranteed pension like a teacher. You don't have guaranteed medical care like a teacher. Sorry, teachers, you did this to yourselves. And no, I don't want to take any calls, Mr. Call Screener. I don't care. Thank God I don't have a child in our school system. But I have grandkids in Tennessee. And what's being done is appalling. It's shocking. We have this irrational debate. It's not even a debate. The Democrat Party does not care about your children. And by the way, in Alaska, Alaska, Lisa Murkowski. Lisa Murkowski is the National Education Association's favorite senator. Not Schumer, not Sanders, Murkowski. She's the most reliable vote they have in the Senate. The most reliable vote they have in the Senate. And you want to know why? She uses their money and she uses their personnel to campaign in the precincts and primaries and on election day. She needs them to stay in office. She puts her own power ahead of the benefits of your children. And this is happening all over the country. All over the country. We are letting down our children and our grandchildren. We are letting down the next generation. And let me guess something. Let me guess something in most of the areas of this country. Not all, but most. Let me guess that your assessment came from your local town or your county. And let me guess your assessment didn't go down, but it went up. And let me guess if it went up, it went up by 5%, 10%, maybe more. And that's even before they add the millage, which is a fancy way of saying dollars per thousand. So in other words, you're going to see your local property taxes go up in the face of all this. You're going to see your local property taxes go up, and in most communities, three-fourths of that money goes to your school system. Did you know that? In my community, 78%. 78 cents on every dollar. And the vast majority of teaching is not taking place in the classroom. Even though it can and should be. And your taxes are going to go up. This is a scam. 
We sit here and wait for our children to be educated because the Democrat Party is kowtowing to their union. And they won't allow your children to go into the classroom. They're standing in the classroom doorway. They will not allow the lights to be turned on in your school building. They will not allow the bells to be heard for recess in your school building. Your children are not getting an education, or maybe they are, but not a quality education. Let alone the lack of socialization that's going on now. The generation, this young generation, these kids are going to suffer as a result of what Biden and Pelosi and Schumer, the Democrat Party and their unions are doing to your kids. I'll be right back. Are you worried about America's future? Times of trouble are full of reasons to despair. But those who built and have preserved our country didn't despair. So to do our part, we need to draw on the books, the history, and the ideas that gave our forefathers and mothers strength and inspiration. Hillsdale College was founded in 1844 to teach these very things. And it teaches them still today. We can all study these things, all with Hillsdale College professors right in our homes. Through Hillsdale's free online courses, we can study the history of our civilization, the wisdom of ancient and Judeo-Christian philosophers, and the writings of Shakespeare and Mark Twain. We can reacquaint ourselves with our Constitution. We can learn how the Constitution has been undermined, and more importantly, how it can be recovered. Friends, as we fight in defense of family, faith, and freedom, let us draw on the best of the past with Hillsdale's guidance to save the greatest nation on earth. Begin learning today at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. levinforhillsdale.com. There's a real disaster in Texas taking place. A horrific ice and snowstorm. I lived in Texas for a brief period of time. The extent of this storm, I don't know that anybody who's ever lived in Texas has seen anything like this. So all the propeller and solar systems don't work. They're frozen or they're covered with snow. The pressure on the electrical grid is unparalleled. Electrical lines are snapping left and right. Then you have water issues because water pipes are freezing, cracking, breaking. So the water supply, the electrical supply, the energy supply generally is terrible. It is a terrible, terrible disaster that's taking place in Texas. Now, I have to be honest with you. I get so sick and tired when people, particularly those outside of Texas, when people are saying, well, the Democrats did this and the Republicans did that. Yeah, there are lessons to learn here. That solar power and wind power are not going to power this country. Not now, not ever. And the push to rely on them will destroy the, uh, the American economy and move us down to a third or fourth tier power. And the communist Chinese are thrilled about every bit of it. 
So the environmentalists hate the country anyway, the radical environmentalists. Most of them are Marxists. Again, the radical environmentalists. We know where the climate change ideology came from. It came from Europe. We know why they pressed it. They even attacked the capitalist system. This is something that Jeremy Peters and Philip Bump will never understand, or the New York Slimes and the Washington Post and all the rest. In fact, if you bring it up, they'll attack you, but so be it. So there's a big problem, and I hate to tell you this, but the politicians can't fix it. I look at Beto O'Rourke, or as I call him, Beto O'Dork. He views this as an opportunity to exploit this. Of course, he's such a nimrod. He exploits it, saying we need more you know, solar and so forth, because his goal is eventually to run again against Ted Cruz. Uh, AOC, who doesn't know how to light a match, unless she's burning something down, I suppose. She's commenting. So you have the same left-wing kooks who don't know anything jumping in. So these politicians can't fix this. It's going to take the private sector really looking at this and addressing this. This is, in effect, a pandemic, too, for the state of Texas. But I noticed the New York Times and the other media outlets are very excited about Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz, who took a quick trip down to Cancun. Did he take a a quick trip down to Cancun to get a tan? No. Did he take a trip... Uh, to Cancun to, to get away from what's going on in Texas? No. Well, why did he do that? Because the schools are closed. His daughters wanted to go with their friends down to Cancun. Ted Cruz wanted to take his daughters down there, drop them off, and come back to Texas. And so amazingly, they have all kinds of video of Ted at the airports, Ted traveling. And the implication is that Ted doesn't give a damn about the people of Texas while he's screwing around in Cancun. Now, to quote Nancy Pelosi, who refused to bring in the National Guard or the mayor of of Washington, D.C. at the time on January 6th, bad optics, yeah, no doubt about it. But it would be nice if the media would report the truth. And the truth is, this isn't the big issue in Texas. The big issue in Texas is they don't have energy and they're running out of water. That's the big issue. Just as the big issue in New York, which they weren't focusing on, was with Cuomo, when they were shoving corona-positive patients in with the elderly and the morbid and and people with the morbid under uh, other, other issues, morbidities, But this is the New York Times. It won't focus on the Holocaust, but it's very concerned about Ted Cruz. Just pointing it out. I'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. 
Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. The schools, it's a disaster. It's a disaster under the Democrats and their union. Biden, Psaki, Harris, Pelosi, their comments are incoherent, they're incomprehensible, and the reason is they refuse to follow the science. They are bought and paid for by the teachers' union. Same with Lisa Murkowski in Alaska, among others. Now, I hope this opens the eyes wide for people who voted Democrat and have kids and wondering what's going on. And they keep saying, let's spend more money. Let's spend more money. Spend more money on what? Masks? Hand sanitizer? What do they want to spend money on, Mr. Producer? How much does it cost to tell kids to sit six feet apart? Is there any expense to that? Now, in addition to their confiscatory property taxes, they've, hand, they've been handed, collectively, the school districts, tens of billions of dollars from the federal taxpayer. All this money goes right into the pockets of the teachers' union and their members. doesn't do a damn thing about this virus. We're being played here for suckers. Now I want to get to the vaccine. Isn't it amazing? Joe Biden's been in office, what, a month, give or take? And we've gone from, there was no plan for distribution. We don't know where the vaccines are. There are no extra vaccines. To now we're up to In the past two days, 1.7 million vaccinations in the past two days, each day, respectively. Well, where do those vaccines come from? How did that happen? And yet, it's still a disaster. It's a disaster. The distribution is a disaster. Not because they inherited a disaster. They inherited two vaccines. It's because they're a disaster. Just like with the teachers' union and education and immigration. And I'll get to that next. I'm trying to unravel all the things they're doing one at a time. Here from our friends at the Daily Wire. U.S. officials requesting vaccines from foreign governments, including Russia, due to shortage from the administration. U.S. officials posted in nations that have low-grade medical capabilities are reportedly having to seek vaccines from foreign governments, including Russia, due to the lack of supply of vaccines coming from the Biden administration. What do you think of that? Now Biden says, look, we, we, uh, we're going to buy a lot more of these vaccines. We're going to buy a lot. Let me tell you something. We all live in, in these various states, and some of us live in these Democrat-controlled states. The Democrat-controlled states are a disaster. First, they were giving it to prisoners. Then they were giving it to people who smoked. Then it was based on race, underserved communities. And and then on top of that, we didn't know about the elderly and maybe should they. Rather than a priority based on science and medicine. Politics, again, plays a role in Democrat states. And as I said earlier, several weeks ago, Shouldn't Republicans get vaccinated before Democrats? Because after all, Biden and Harris, 
Pelosi and Schumer, the Democrat Party and their media, told us that these vaccines might not work because Trump's cutting corners. He's politicizing it. It's not possible to get it done as fast as he got it done. And they were liars. And Trump did all those things to get it done. And he got it done. And let me tell you, he's the only person in the Oval Office who could have gotten it done. Because Joe Biden doesn't just listen to the science. When he doesn't want to listen to the science, he doesn't listen to the science. He listens to the bureaucracy. And the bureaucracy is slow, deadly slow. Well, you know, Mr. Biden, it might take another year or two. That's right. uh, Here, Joe, I've known you a long time. We've both been in Washington a very long time. Me and you and you and me. Who wants to play De Niro? Do you want to play De Niro? Should I play De Niro? And in between his press appearances, this guy flacks for the Democrats and the liberals and the bureaucracy. And one of the reasons they hate Trump is because he doesn't put up with it. He demands, demands success. He demands action. And he forced action. He did the same thing with the VA, by the way. Where so many of our vets were being mistreated and maltreated and some of them were dying from the conduct. He said enough of this. Nobody could change the Veterans Administration for half a century. For half a century. Now some people love the VA. That's fine. And you may have a good doctor. You may have a good facility near you. But a lot of people don't. And so Trump said, all right, I'm going to make it possible for people to get care outside the system. He's the only one who could have done that. He's the only one who did it. And he was pushing to open the economy. An amazing thing happened. After he left office, now they pushed to open the economy, right? Amazing thing happened. Joe Biden couldn't line up fast enough for his two vaccine shots. Kamala Harris couldn't line up fast. All the Democrats are lining up, trying to, all the Hollywood Democrats trying to figure out how to cheat the system, how to get in front of elderly people and people with comorbidities. How do we get in front? How do we get our shot? Friggin' hypocrites. If it was a just world, the Democrats would all get in line and wait behind us. Wait behind us. Because we supported what Trump was doing and they opposed it. They undermined him every step of the way. So it's been a disaster with Biden and the vaccines. The vast majority of you have not been vaccinated. Many, many senior citizens in this country have not been vaccinated. Many people with comorbidities have not been vaccinated. Because they weren't made priorities. And they're making exceptions to these lists. But virtually every politician has been vaccinated. How does that work? And why should the teachers be vaccinated before everybody else? They're not even in the classroom. And their union says they're not even going into the classroom until the little kids are vaccinated. Well, many of them are never going to be vaccinated because they don't need the vaccination. That's the goal, I guess. So the opposite's happening, really. They're making sure Democrats get vaccinated first, or something like that. It's a disaster. What's happening to our children in the school system that the Democrats run? The Democrats own and run the public school system. It's a disaster today. The Democrats are in charge of manufacturing and distributing vaccines. Not President Trump, the Democrats. 
It's a disaster. Somewhere around 70,000 people have died on Joe Biden's watch. Nobody says anything about it anymore. Why? And at the same time, the borders are wide open. Words gone down all the way to the tip of South America. All the way to the tip of South America. Vast numbers of illegal immigrants headed our way. Excuse me, undocumented immigrants. Or let's just call it what it is and what I've liked to call it in the past. Future Democrats. While Joe Biden is opening our borders, he's shutting down our energy system. And American workers are being fired. Men and women who were born here, men and women who have worked here, men and women who follow the law, men and women who pay taxes. They and their families are now suffering. Joe Biden, don't you know? Oh, yes. Joe Biden, he's made it abundantly clear that America is a white racist society, except for him, of course, except for the fact that he was a white racist who worked with white racists, who was led by a white racist by the name of Bob Byrd. No, 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 no. All that's broomed. That never happened. Now America is a white racist society. But don't worry, Joe believes in unity. All you hardworking Americans who don't think this way, raise your kids. You have diverse communities. You want to get along with everybody. Joe Biden and the Democrat Party and the ideologues who undergird that party insist that you're the problem. You're the problem. And so he signs another executive order to push out this critical race theory. And I didn't know how bad it was until I started researching this. And then I walked down the street the other day, seriously. I'm walking our dog, Marty, who loves the snow. He's 14 years old, and he misses his buddy Barney like we all do. And I bump into a neighbor who has uh, three kids. And in sixth grade, you know, with the virtual learning, this racist crap is being taught to them, this critical race theory. They're learning how to hate themselves hate themselves. They're learning that you don't look at people by the content of their character, but in fact you look at them by the pigmentation, the color of their skin. This is going on in our public schools at the lowest levels, and we are paying for it. We're paying for these unions. We're paying for this propaganda. We're paying for our own demise. And so when that 6th grader becomes an 11th or 12th grader, They're going to wind up hating their parents. They're going to wind up hating their ancestry. They're going to wind up blaming their own flesh and blood for things that their flesh and blood had nothing to do with. They're going to be activists, Democrats, right in our own school systems. They don't teach the kids. They don't show up for work, but they have enough time and enough effort and apparently enough money to indoctrinate them. Now that's going on under Joe Biden in a big way. Race equity, I think he called it. Race equity. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin.
Over 2,000 of you, my listeners, made the switch from overpriced wireless carriers to Pure Talk over the past few months. We want the rest of you to join us and to see what we're talking about. If you're with AT&T and Verizon or T-Mobile, your family could save over $800 a year just by switching to Pure Talk. You get great coverage, you can keep your phone and your number, and you'll save a fortune. Pure Talk is the top-rated wireless company by Consumer Affairs with the absolute best consumer service team based right here in America. Does that sound good? Well, it gets better. Right now, get unlimited talk, text, and six gigs of data, just $30 a month. And if you go over on data, they don't charge you for it. They don't care. Go to puretalkusa.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. Again, puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin, L-E-V-I-N Podcast. And when you do, you'll save 50% off your first month. That's puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin Podcast. Pure Talk USA, simply smarter wireless. I just heard Carl Rove say that 42% of Texas energy prior to this storm came from wind turbines. And of course, when you have a freeze and snow like this, those wind turbines don't turn, do they, Mr. Producer? They're frozen in place. So the fossil fuel aspect of what uh, Texas has can't exactly make up for that in a matter of a few days. It's not that they don't have enough, it's that they can't get it to where it needs to go, you know, pipelines and so forth. I had no idea this was the case. That's a lot. 42%? And if Joe Biden and his radicals have their way, it would be 100% comes from renewals, renewables. 100%. Good old natural gas, good old crude oil. Good old electricity seems to do the trick for most of us, propane and so forth. And so here again, the left, the radicals, the kooks want to drag us into their world, and then they want to point fingers and play politics while people suffer. The answer is capitalism. The answer is the private sector. The answer is competition. The answer is the federal government and many of these state governments have no idea what the hell they're doing. And if we learned anything through this pandemic, it is that we can't trust them. Something fascinating has happened when you look at California and look at Florida. Two completely different approaches to a pandemic, two completely different approaches to a citizenry. The governor of California leftist, Newsom, a Democrat, in response to the pandemic, turned California into Old East Germany. Or North Korea. Shut everything down. Shut everyone down. Didn't matter if they were churches. Didn't matter what it was. Well, of course, he went off and had dinner. But that was his approach. Even going outside. He didn't want people on beaches. They were getting too close to each other. Florida took exactly the opposite approach. It didn't say you can do anything and everything you want. But it said, you can do most things you want. I rely on the people of Florida, the small businesses, the individuals there, to conduct themselves in their own self-interest. 
And businesses cannot survive if the virus spreads through their business or if they're sued for other things. And so they've been very, very careful. I know I go to Florida several times, well, at least once a month to visit family and for other reasons. And if we have our way, I'll spend half the year down there, maybe maybe more. Because I moved to Virginia because it was a free state. It's not a free state anymore. It's a blue state. Nonetheless, DeSantis, the outcomes have actually been better in Florida than they have been in California. Which is why, of course, the lib media tries to destroy DeSantis. In comes the Holocaust-denying New York Times, the Holocaust-denying Washington Post, and all the rest of it. It's unbelievable. Anthony Fauci on MSNBC this morning. Look, this guy doesn't work. I would like, you know, again, if we had a functioning oversight committee in Congress, and we don't as long as we have Democrats, and of course the Senate Republicans were pathetic. Somebody would hold a hearing and, and ask Anthony Fauci, give us an example of what you do every day. In fact, give us your schedules of all your media appearances. You know, they like to subpoena everything, the Democrats. Subpoena them. So he's on MSLSD this morning about getting back to normal. Here's what he has to say. Cut six, go. When you ask anybody, me or the president or the director of CDC, this is not a mathematical formula where you can say, ah, I get it, 5 plus 10 or 50. It's a question of pure estimates. There are so many things in play that could influence. And then it also depends on what you mean by normal. Oh, and, it depends on what the word is means. What the word is is. What do you mean by normal? What does that mean? There's no mathematical answer. There's no scientific answer. Do you understand, ladies and gentlemen? We have people in charge who will decide if you live in a free country or not based on what they think. There's no formula. It's way too complex. They'll decide, not you. Go ahead. What does some form of normality mean? Well, obviously, we have very stringent public health measures in tune now. If you're going to ask is, what about getting back to a situation where you can have theaters that might be able to have below capacity? that rest Now on- he goes into what if and hypotheticals and so forth and so on. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a very diverse and complex country and society. There's all kinds of things going on here. Mr. Fauci or Dr. Fauci has no idea all the things that are going on in this country. We should be able to decide now. We understand what the virus does. We understand what the, what the health advisors are advising us. We need more Florida and less North Korea. And I think Fauci would do much better in North Korea than he would in Florida. Just my opinion. I'll be right back. Liberty's Voice. 
Mark Levin. Talk with that voice now. 877-381-3811. It's always a pleasure to have Victor Davis Hanson with us. Now, Victor, before we get into substance, and I want to get into it with you, you were friends with Rush. So I was, you know, he was one of my best friends. So I want you to tell everybody about your experiences with Rush, if you would. Well, Rush and I started just serendipitously texting about things maybe three years ago, mm-hmm. and it got to be kind of a nightly habit. And we would compare stories with the um, about the news and the disappointments with the never Trump people, things like that. But the thing about it is that, uh, and when I I talked to him, I visited him when I was in Palm Beach. And uh, I I gained a lot of respect for him. I I had a lot of respect for him as a performer, entertainer, uh, broadcaster, news disseminator, and analyst. But personally, I I didn't know him as well as I did the last three years. And this was before he became ill. And he was one of the, actually one of the kindest, most solicitous people I've met. And he'd always ask me, is there anything I can do for you? What do you think about this? Another thing, Mark, I really was struck by is that all of these psychodramas in the swamp and which which consultant is working where and which professor is, it was of no interest to him. He was interested about his audience. Mm-hmm. And so he would ask me, he, he would say, what's going on at Stanford or what, what's this cancel culture? But it wasn't that he didn't know about it. He just felt that these were a bunch of elites that were squabbling and his intention was going to be focused on his audience. I, have a, I had a great deal of respect for him. I, I'm all, I know a lot of people who have sort of sideswiped him. There was an article I was very angry about in National Review a day ago, who I know were de- direct ben- beneficiaries of his kindness. And that, that's the worst trait in one to do that. Honestly, I don't go over there anymore, Victor, to be perfectly honest. Well, I was, it was sent to me, uh, Mark. Yeah, and, 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 and you're right. And I, I was, he was. He would get awards from them. He would do fundraising for them. So uh, that's inexcusable, of course. But uh, anymore, I don't expect much from anybody, to be perfectly honest with you. Now, Victor Davis Hanson, you wrote a piece today, another brilliant piece. We're really under assault, aren't we? I'm looking at immigration. I'm looking at the school systems with the union. I'm looking at critical race theory. I'm looking at uh, now reparations they're talking about and gun control they're talking about. On every single aspect, on every front, we're under assault here, aren't we? We are, and this is what a lot of us warned. We said that Joe Biden was a virtual candidate. He would not make his views about amnestying 11 million people in mass or opening the border or any of that known or canceling a half-completed or virtually completed pipeline in one case or banning fracking or the Iran deal or the Paris Accord or the estrangement from Israel. He wouldn't talk about that. And yet we were assured by people in the so-called conservative movement that he was old Joe Biden from Scranton. And he never was. He never will be. He's always been sort of a kind of a nasty character. And he's never been what he said he was. And now he's, I don't think he's any more marked the, the vessel of the left 
I think that's kind of a wrong interpretation that he's a befuddled old man and he's Kamala Harris and the squad and Elizabeth Warren and Sanders are putting ideas. I think he's got visions of grandeur himself. Mm-hmm. I think he feels that Obama, he was the understudy to Obama. He never got proper credit and he's going to be what Obama promised to be. And that far from limiting him or emasculating him, having one term, this is going to liberate him. He does not worried about reelection and the wrath of the voters. He's going to go full 110% progressive leftist dogma that we haven't seen since 1932, and he's going to be famous in the annals of liberal historian. But the one guy who got it all done quickly in the next two years, where he had the House, got a far tenuous margin that Barack Obama had. Obama was in a much better political position, but already he's done far more damage than Obama did in eight years. I agree with you 100%. I've been talking about this legacy issue, too, where Biden views this. He wants to be bigger than Franklin Roosevelt. And Bernie Sanders has been whispering in his ear and says, you can go bigger. You can do more. And he wants to build this legacy. That, that's, and I agree with you completely. You can't, you can't just say, well, it. he's just the plaything of the left. Then you have no accountability whatsoever. This guy knows what he's doing. No, he does. He, he's, it's a cost-benefit analysis. He put his finger up in the air and he said, you know what, I'm not saying he's a, he believes it. He believes in himself and his legacy and his fame and his acceptance. I don't know. I don't think he's uh, an ideologue quite like they are, but it doesn't matter because he's in a practical thing. He said, I don't want to get in a fight with the left. I know cancel culture. They're a nasty bunch of people. I've got exposure with Hunter. I've got exposure with my family. I I could lose. I don't want them against me. I want them on my side and I want to outdo them so that I can go down in history and say, you know what? Barack Obama talked about amnestying 11 or maybe it's going to be 22 million if the actual numbers I think are more accurate and an open border. And he talked about all of it, but he didn't do them. And he had more, but I did them by sheer force of will. And that's where we are right now. I, I see this. I, I see with Biden signing all these executive orders, I see the, uh, the mindset of, a, uh, of an autocrat. And then I, I look at Congress and I see what they want to do. And I see the mindset sort of of a mob. And so we have... T- these two kind of uh, totalitarian mindsets at once, you know, Congress saying, you know, uh, we'll take charge of the Supreme Court, we'll take charge of the judiciary, we'll push through whatever we want through the phony reconciliation, we'll do this, we'll do that. And then the, on the other end of Pennsylvania Avenue, you have this guy signing one document after another. But both of them are attacks on republicanism, aren't they? They are. And they're sort of one is the head and one is the heart of this hard left agenda, this neo-socialist agenda, but the hands and the feet are even worse. I mean, we've got, I've never seen in my entire life, the corporate boardroom, Wall Street, Silicon Valley, the way that people communicate with each other on social media or access information on Google or Hollywood or entertainment or the NBA, the uh, NFL, uh, late night comedy, the regular media, they're all part of this, I don't know what we call an octopus. And, you know, Frank Norris and the muckraker said, this is an octopus. You can't really defeat it because its tentacles are everywhere. But when we get up in the morning, whether you want to go on a Google search or go onto Facebook or flip on a professional sports event or turn on a network news show or read the paper, the paper of record, or get your investment. I mean, I'm in a very conservative 
um, think tank ostensibly, but when I get things in the email from Stanford University, I cannot believe it. Uh-huh. You know, clenched fist uh, emblems like that, and so it's everywhere, Mark, and it's unleashed. And uh, the if everything they said about Donald Trump was true and you were conservative, then you could call him chemotherapy that had side effects. But this is the tumor, and they destroyed their they only met the only thing that was stopping it was Donald Trump. And I don't believe that he was chemotherapy. But take everything they said about him. He didn't. He did not do as. If they were all correct, and their invective and abuse and smears of him, he didn't do as much any of this in four years as what we're going to see in the next four months, from a conservative point of view. And um, we have a breakdown of the checks and balances. <clears throat> Excuse me. We have a breakdown course of the media which is now part of this whole effort um you think about what the framers put in place in order to protect us you know i'll be perfectly honest with you there's a number of reasons i think we've come to this point of course the culture we can use that generally and of course education what's going on um, with these tenured uh, the tenured faculty what's going on there and and so forth but you know the framers said that uh, once people lose their virtue, that we can't, there's nothing we can do. We can, there's this famous letter I have in one of my books between John Adams and Jefferson. And Jefferson said, even if Rome had our system, even if Rome had our system and they had great men, Cicero and Brutus and Cato and so forth, the problem for Rome was their people. They didn't have virtue. Is this becoming a growing problem in the United States? I'm not trying to blasphemy all Americans, obviously. There are a lot of Americans who are concerned about this. And yet, there's a lot of Americans who, are, who, who really are into this. Yeah, I think the problem is that we've all known the left our entire lives. And we know that in times of crisis, the 2008 meltdown, the Katrina um, problem that they manipulate and it can be trivial like the hoax at lacrosse the duke lacrosse or the jesse smollett but we know they manipulate crisis never let a crisis go to waste that's right out of the mouth of gavin newsom hillary clinton and rama Manuel. but what's different this time is that there are methodologies that they can use that are instantaneous and they involve the planet and so you can communicate all over on social media. You can destroy people's career instantaneously. If somebody doesn't like you, Mark, or doesn't like me, they can get online and find out what we did when we were 12 years old in the uh-huh. local paper. And if you if you mold that or weld that to an ideology that basically says we are so much morally superior than conservatives or independents or anybody else, and therefore we're justified to use any means necessary to achieve our aims of radical, what they now call equity, or what we would call a quality of result, then it's pretty scary because they have the tools now. And it's been very rare that they came to power in history. We know that they've wrecked Cuba, they've wrecked Venezuela, they've tried to wreck countries in Europe, they wrecked Russia, they wrecked China, but we never thought, we thought we had the founders and we thought we had this common sense corridor between the coast. But when you look at the technologies and the enormous wealth, I mean, $6 trillion of market capitalization for Apple, Facebook, Google, uh, and their companies within a 50 square mile, we've never seen that staggering amount of wealth. 
And you and I, we had this conversation, Mark, a year ago, and I said, you said to me, Victor, I'm afraid that Mark Zuckerberg is going to pour $350 million into selected precincts, provide mail drop-in boxes, uh, have the government hire people that he trains to increase this precinct's vote and not that one. I would have thought you were crazy, but that's what happened. And I think it's just staggering the amount of control and technology and capital at the disposal of what this is not the anti corporate left that we grew up with in the sixties that said, you know, corporations are evil. These people believe in cartels, monopolies, trust. If you look at Parley or what they did with Donald Trump and get him off, they they believe in the power of enormous wealth and monopolies. And so it's a very new we haven't quite figured it out yet what they're up to. We know what they're up to, but we can, the the, uh, the leverage and the potential at their disposal is staggering. Now, I don't want to impose on you. Are you available for the next segment, or do you have to run? I can do one more segment, yeah. Okay, let's do that. And my question to you when we come back, Victor, is going to be this. Is the Republican Party prepared to engage here? Because when I listened to Mitch McConnell after the vote on that rogue trial, I thought to myself, he and they have no clue what's going on, and they're so interested in their own little myopic area of power that they're going to undermine any effective effort to take on what what we're seeing in this country. I want you to think about that. I want to ask you about that, and we'll be right back. Over 2,000 of you, my listeners, made the switch from overpriced wireless carriers to Pure Talk over the past few months. We want the rest of you to join us and to see what we're talking about. If you're with AT&T and Verizon or T-Mobile, your family could save over $800 a year just by switching to Pure Talk. You get great coverage, you can keep your phone and your number, and you'll save a fortune. Pure Talk is the top-rated wireless company by Consumer Affairs with the absolute best consumer service team based right here in America. Does that sound good? Well, it gets better. Right now, get unlimited talk, text, and six gigs of data, just $30 a month. And if you go over on data, they don't charge you for it. They don't care. Go to puretalkusa.com. And enter promo code Levin Podcast. Again, puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin, L E V I N Podcast. And when you do, you'll save 50% off your first month. That's puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin Podcast. Pure Talk USA, simply smarter wireless. All right, we're with Victor Davis Hanson. Victor, my question is, uh, I I really don't think, in my opinion, the Republicans are able to fight back as long as they have these old bulls running the Senate, running the Republican Party, and really don't understand what's swirling around them. What do you think? Well, I think we're going back. I think it's a reaction. They don't understand why Trump got elected. People felt they had no voice. And they wanted somebody to fight back. And they hadn't seen that since Lee Outwater ran George H.W.'s camp, campaign in 1988. And they wanted to win. They, they were willing to be tough and take off the gloves, but they wanted to win. They didn't want to lose nobly anymore. They didn't want a McCain or a Romney contextualizer. Okay. And they got that, and they got the most conservative, successful four years, I think, since Reagan and maybe 
better than Reagan's uh, tenure in the sense that Trump did more, I think, concretely. Okay, they, that's what they wanted. And now with Trump's exit, we're going back to the Gerald Ford, Bob Michael era. And you remember that. It was mm-hmm. to be noble, permanent people in the, in the minority and sort of grimace when the left got out of hand and play by the markers of Queensberry rules and sort of just write off your constituents' concerns. That's, I think, where we're going to go unless uh, if these people take control. And, and you, you and I know that as we're talking right now, in a lot of four, they're bragging how they're going to, at Phoenix, like, come out of the ashes of Trumpism and reformulate the Republican Party, the Bill Crystal, the Dispatch, the Bulwark, these people, the Lincoln Project. I don't think they are because, after all, for all of their self-importance, Donald Trump, only lost 12 percent of the republican vote in 2016 he only lost six this time Hmm. it wasn't republicans defecting that cost him the election it was a change in some rubrics of women voters and swing voters but it was uh it was not the republicans for all that hundred million that the lincoln project i don't know how many was actually spent they actually did trump a failure he got twice as many uh people not to defect than four years ago 94% 94% of Republicans voted for him. That's encouraging. That's the one thing I think is encouraging, that the Republican Party's base, the people who vote, uh, they may be quibble now and then with Trump, but they believe in that agenda. They do want that agenda. They want closed borders. They want a deterrent, realistic foreign policy. They want energy development. They want protection for people who are unborn. They want symmetry in trade. They're very scared and suspicious of China, the World Health Organization, the U.N., etc. You know, Victor, uh, Mitch McConnell served in the Ford administration. Did you know that in 1976? I did not know that. I did not know that. Mid-level position at Justice Department. He was never a Reagan guy. He, uh, He opposed strongly the Tea Party movement which delivered them the House and several Senate seats, and he blamed them for losing some Senate seats, which is what he does all the time. He really opposed Donald Trump. Uh, he did what he could, while he, I guess, to uh, sort of cover that up while he was in the Senate, and then he showed his teeth after Trump left and after the Democrats went after Trump unconstitutionally in the Senate. And now he's back at it again. He uses the National Republican Senatorial Committee as his own kitty. He and um, he's always been at war with his base, and yet he he holds on in the Senate. He uh, he has a way of uh, of of, uh, of I don't know what it is of getting those colleagues to vote for him, and I don't see a hell of a lot coming out of it. To be perfectly honest with you, I think he built, and there's some truth to it. He builds himself that he's been there so long, and he's studied the rules of the Senate that if you are willing to solicit his advice in a very obsequious manner, then he will tell you and instruct you and teach you how to get your nominations through. And that's what he did with Trump. And Trump was very magnanimous to him. He prayed after their initial fight over health care. I'm going to have to go. And he also appointed his wife to a major position that she wanted. Victor Davis Hanson, thank you, my friend. And be safe and be well. And God bless you. And we'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. 
Ladies and gentlemen, this final hour of the podcast is sponsored exclusively by AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we care about, faith, family, and freedom. Thank you for listening, and please support AMAC. And you can become a member at amac.us slash join. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. I'm Mark Levin. Our number is 877 877-381-3811. The problem we now face is if we allow McConnell and his ilk to take control of the narrative, to do what he's done throughout his career, and that is to sideline and brutalize conservatives, we can't get our country back. So once again, I've been doing this a while, and it seems like we have to do it every now and then. Once again, victory has to come through the defeat of the Republican establishment. There's an excellent piece in The Federalist today by, uh, oh shoot, his name is cut off, but it's John David, uh, whatever the rest of his name is, he's a good guy, and I apologize to him. He says, the Senate impeachment trial of former President Trump is over. Leader McConnell wants to move on. In an interview this week with the Wall Street Journal, he said the important thing now is to regain the Senate, getting candidates who can actually win in November. And toward that end, McConnell suggested he might get involved in some of these primaries. I personally don't care what kind of Republican they are. What I care about is electability. That's quite a statement coming from McConnell, who has a mixed record on electability and candidates. In the 2009 and 10 cycle, McConnell fought hard, and I pointed this out myself the other day, against candidates Marco Rubio, Rand Paul, Mike Lee, Ron Johnson. He opposed Ted Cruz in 2012 and the genius Ben Sass. He was largely responsible for losing a GOP Senate seat in Alabama, backing Luther Strange over conservative representative Mo Brooks in the primary which then elevated Roy Moore to a runoff with Strange. And how that turned out? McConnell, arguably, is the reason Doug Jones, the Democrat, won the Senate seat in Alabama the first time in 25 years, and I can say that's right. Now, let's stop there a moment and analyze this. It's because McConnell does not want conservatives in the Senate. He wants people who will support him and do what he says. Luther Strange was that guy. Mo Brooks was not. He didn't want Cruz. He didn't want Paul. He didn't want Lee. He didn't want Rubio. He didn't want Ron Johnson because these men think for themselves. In the other direction, McConnell backed candidates like Tommy Thompson in Wisconsin, Rick Berg in North Dakota, and Connie Mack in Florida in their bids in 2012, and they all lost. Yet somehow McConnell's still presented as a shrewd uh, man when it comes to electability. In his remarks to the Wall Street Journal, McConnell contrasts the current 50-50 split Senate to 2009, when the GOP had just 40 senators. 
noting that it took us six years to crawl out of that hole. It sure did, and part of the reason the GOP got out of that hole was thanks to the above-mentioned Tea Party candidates and the energy of the Tea Party movement, the 2008 election. Yet McConnell did his utmost, and I've pointed this out, to fend off Tea Party primary challengers all over the country during those years with uneven results. One could argue, as my colleague Molly Hemingway has, that if McConnell and the GOP establishment had been more open to the conservative base of the party and more willing to stay out of contested primaries, Republicans would be in a better place today. I agree with that. Setting aside the Tea Party, though, the idea that McConnell knows how to pick electable candidates is laughable. One need not look far for examples. Consider the Georgia special election last month. McConnell went all out to make sure Kelly Leffler, a horrible candidate, whose only qualification for office was being a big-time GOP donor, got the full financial backing of the McConnell-aligned Senate Leadership Fund, the National Republican Senatorial Committee, and the entire GOP establishment. And you'll recall that Leffler was appointed to finish out the term of Senator Johnny Isaacson, who resigned at the end of 2019 for health reasons. When Georgia Governor Brian Kemp defied Trump and many other conservatives who wanted Representative Doug Collins to fill the seat, McConnell backed Kemp's choice, insisting that Leffler, who had never been elected to office or campaign before, would be more electable. And I should add here, and I should add here, that he also said that Kavanaugh would be a better choice than Coney because he would be easier to confirm. He's been wrong a lot. Ironic then that McConnell blames Trump for the losses in Georgia. Georgia was a fiasco, McConnell told the Journal. We all know why that occurred. Yes, we do. It occurred at least in part because McConnell decided to treat Leffler like an incumbent. And it didn't help that in the crucial weeks between November 3 and the runoff election in Georgia on January 5, McConnell opposed an extremely popular proposal, polling 80-20 at the time, to bump stimulus checks from 600 to 2,000, essentially handing Democrats ready-made anti-GOP ads. McConnell and other Washington Republicans were confident in their ground game in Georgia. How many times have we heard that? Remember Romney? That the wooden, no-charisma Leffler didn't need an outside assist like stimulus checks going to the special election. But they were wrong again. Wrong again. And it goes on, and it's very well said. Trump lays the blame at McConnell's feet for what took place. In a withering statement released Tuesday, Trump lambasted McConnell. It is McConnell who has done severe damage to the Republican Party. It is McConnell who's divided Republicans. It is McConnell who believes that he owns the Republican Party. A man that can barely speak publicly and has no connection with the American people, have no affinity for him. Now in Breitbart, a poll, Mitch McConnell favorability is now underwater at 18%. In a piece by Hannah Blau, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell's favorability is underwater, a political morning consult survey reveals. The survey taken February 12 to 15 among almost 2,000 registered voters asked respondents to rate a number of prominent politicians, including the minority leader. A majority have an unfavorable view of McConnell, 64%. 
compared to 18% who expressed a favorable view. His unfavorability rating is higher than House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's. 53% gave the 80-year-old an unfavorable rating compared to 37% who expressed favorable views. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer also fares better than McConnell. 31% favorability, 42% unfavorability. Now think about that. And he is, according to John Thune, the idiot senator from North, uh, South Dakota, the titular head of the Republican Party. Why? Because John Thune has decided he ought to be. Even this piece in the New York Times, McConnell's strategy has party in turmoil and Trump on attack. The Republican leader's calculus was simple. Don't stoke a full-on revolt by Trump supporters by voting to convict the former president but demonstrate to anti-Trump Republicans that he recognized Mr. Trump's failings. It didn't work. This is the New York Slimes, of course. Senator McConnell's colleagues may not have deep personal affection for their often distant and inscrutable leader, but there's considerable appreciation for how he has spared them from difficult votes while maintaining a laser-like focus on keeping the Senate majority. But his approach last Saturday at the conclusion of former President Trump's trial seemed aimed at doing just that. After voting to acquit Trump of inciting the January 6th riot that invaded the Senate chamber, Mr. McConnell, Republican of Kentucky, began a fiery tirade, declaring him, quote, practically and morally responsible, unquote, for the assault. In essence, McConnell said he found Trump guilty, but not subject to impeachment as a private citizen. The strategy appeared twofold. Don't stoke a full-on revolt by Trump supporters the party needs by voting to convict, but demonstrate to anti-Trump Republicans, particularly big donors, that he recognized Mr. Trump's failings and is beginning to steer the party in another direction. He doesn't steer the party anyway. He is a, a reprobate. But it did not exactly produce the desired result, and as you folks know here, we've been leading the charge behind this microphone to expose this man and to insist that the Republicans in the Senate pick somebody who has vitality, who shares our conservative views, who has the ability to communicate, and is a fresh face. McConnell's none of those things. So it didn't produce the desired result. Instead, it has drawn McConnell into a vicious feud with the former president, not just the former president, but with tens of millions of us, who lashed out at him on Tuesday. And it has left some Republicans bewildered over McConnell's strategy and others taking a harder line, saying the leader whose focus was always the next election had hurt the party's 2022 prospects. But he's hurt the party's prospects in the past, too, folks. He's just had the Wall Street Journal and National Review, among others, to defend him, to try and divert attention elsewhere. The miscalculation has left Mr. McConnell in an unusual place on the defensive, with Mr. Trump pressing for his ouster, and no easy way to extricate himself from the political bind. Quote, McConnell has many talents, there's no doubt about it. But if he's setting this thing up as a way to expunge Trump from the Republican Party, that is a failing proposition, said Senator Johnson of Wisconsin. He's a good man. I hope he runs for re-election. He'll have my complete support. I've, I've become very impressed with Ron Johnson. Mr. Johnson is weighing running for re-election next year in a highly competitive battleground state. Wisconsin said support for McConnell was already emerging as a negative factor 
among Trump-backing Republican primary voters that he speaks with back home. Now, of course, we have, again, said that the choice for the American people or the Republican voter needs to be, do you back McConnell or not? And if you back McConnell, you don't get our vote. He said the minority leader risked becoming a full-blown pariah for Senate candidates if he did not move quickly toward unifying the party. They quote Senator Graham in here, Lindsey Graham, who's been quite good. Mr. McConnell has been conspicuously silent since the attack by Mr. Trump. He made no effort to walk back a Saturday speech or a subsequent op-ed in the Wall Street Journal. But characteristically, he now also appears uninterested in further inflaming the fight by punching back at Mr. Trump. David Popp, a spokesman for Mr. McConnell, declined to comment. Yeah, McConnell comments through leaks. But his Republican allies circled around him, speaking in the void of his silence, and we have... Senator Shelley Moore Capito of West Virginia. You know what's interesting? You have Murkowski, you have Capito. Their fathers were governors of their states. And in Murkowski's case, she was appointed by her father. They said McConnell was on very solid ground, and she'd come away from conversations with him convinced he was moving forward with his eyes open. Well, maybe she needs to be primaried West Virginia. Because you're more conservative than she is, to be quite frank about it. She's just a McConnellite. John Thune, the number two, it's already promised, uh, let's see here, that uh, McConnell has my full support and confidence. Wow, I guess then I've changed my mind. John Cornett of Texas. I think it generally offended him what happened in the Capitol that night. Obviously spoke his mind. Always a genius, Cornyn, you might say. Well, that's what we have going on here. There's also peace in Politico. Trump-McConnell rift threatens GOP Senate hopes. So if we do not win the Senate, this is at the feet of Mitch McConnell. And it always is. The longest-serving Republican leader in the Senate. Mitch McConnell. Says he wants a majority. No, he doesn't. He wants people he can control. And that jig is up. I've been fighting this man over the years. On the airwaves. For a long, long time. For a long, long time. People would say to me, Mark, why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? Other hosts would ask me. Friends of mine. I said, because until and unless we remove Mitch McConnell. We do not have an effective spokesman in the Senate to the American people. We do not have an effective strategist. He's effective in certain ways, but ineffective in others. He cannot communicate. And when he does communicate, he communicates the wrong things. And we will stay on this Mitch McConnell matter until it's resolved. And I'll be right back. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America, now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. 
More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. So I won't be here tomorrow, not on vacation, with uh, some surgery, we'll cover over the weekend, but I want to encourage you, since I won't be here tomorrow, to mark on your schedule or to record DVR or hopefully watch live. Life, Liberty, and Levin this Sunday at 8 p.m. The entire hour is about our dear friend Rush and uh, some insights you probably haven't heard before, and I spend a part of the show talking about it and then of course uh, I'll have my dear friend Sean Hannity with me who was also a dear friend of Rush uh, to talk about it um, and I must confess to you while I'm doing today's show uh, that cloud of his passing does hang over me it hangs over me um, knowing he's not there anymore you know over the past uh And I'm not whining and complaining, but over the past, what's it been, two and a half years. Lost my father. My father used to call me after every radio show. Cheer me on. Sometimes say, hey, you might want to think of something like that. And then four months later, my mother. And I remember when they both used to call me on the phone after my show. And then, uh, for some of you, this will seem strange, but uh, then my little guy, Barney. Now, he's part of the family, too. And then uh, to lose Rush. These are things that, you know, many of you can understand this. These are people who are in your life and you expect to be there. But then we know that's not the way life works, is it? And I don't know if life is the, uh, the good times between the bad or the bad times between the good. I really don't know. And greater philosophers than I have thought about this and written about this, particularly people of faith. And so we're left to wonder. Some people know, or they feel they know, but some of us are left to wonder. I'll be right back. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America, now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. 
And if that's not enough, you'll get Amex bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. The cost of freedom is high, but this phone call is not. Call Mark Levin toll-free at 877-381-3811. I'm hoping you've downloaded the podcast. It's absolutely free. It's free to subscribe. It's it's become one of the biggest podcasts in the country, despite the fact I have one of the biggest radio shows in the country. And I want you to join us. That way, wherever you are, if we're preempted, or if you're in a location that doesn't have a radio station, or whatever the situation, you can always hear us on the podcast. There's three easy steps. We make it as easy as possible. First, go to the Mothership website. MarkLevinShow.com. You'll be on the middle. You'll be on the home page. Now go to the middle top of that home page and click on Audio Rewind. That's step two. That'll take you to the podcast page. Then pick the podcast platform you want. That's step three. Then you're set. So please, please join our podcast. You don't have to listen to the podcast. You can listen on terrestrial radio or on satellite radio. We're on all kinds of platforms. But you want to have that podcast download in your back pocket just in case. All right. Let us go here. Uh, let us go to Matt, Jamestown, South Dakota, XM Satellite, a, turbi- a turbine worker. How are you, sir? Good. How are you, Mark? Good. It's Thank you. It's a pleasure. Um, I'm a 22-year-old uh, Marine Corps veteran. Uh, I just got out of the Marine Corps, and I took this trade. And I work in, I travel the country working on wind turbines. And the last couple of days I've been seeing on the news and whatnot about Texas and this big deal about Texas losing power on the grid and whatever. Today I went into work and pretty much told to go home because we can't work on the turbines up here because our turbines need to be completely online to supply Texas their power. So, once I heard about that and I see on the news, everyone's trying to start bashing um, Ted Cruz and the governor saying this is all their fault. It's got nothing to do with them at all. Mm-hmm. It's the people who buy the turbines, the big companies that buy turbines, didn't buy the right winter equipment for these turbines when this rare um, winter storm came in. So it, it's just astonishing and blows my mind. Like every time something happens, Someone's always got to point the finger at somebody. Mm-hmm. And it's people don't understand this kind of like this industry well, and they just start acting like they do know about it. And no, that's right. And uh, everybody's positioning themselves while people are suffering. And then they're going after Ted Cruz. I watched it on Fox. The host was just viciously going after Ted Cruz. The way that host viciously went after the president's lawyers at the impeachment trial, who turned out to be absolutely superb. Um, you know, this is just something I'm not comfortable doing, and I'm not going to do, just to uh, just to throw conservatives overboard or uh, 
or to undermine people who are trying to do the right thing. I don't think that's, uh, that's something we want to do. I don't think that's helpful to the movement. All right, my friend. Keep up the good work. I appreciate it. Jimmy, our man Jimmy, Brooklyn, New York, the great WABC. Go right ahead. Mark, you do a great job. You really do. You know, I want that real quick. Uh, the Marxists built this huge, well-planned, long-range, brilliant, diabol- diabolical plan. And, you know, they push this idea that the threat to America is uh, systemic racism and, and all that stuff. The real threat to America is systemic Marxism and Marxist supremacy. Critical race theory is brilliant, but that's one of many. You have critical race theory, critical environmental theory, critical economic theory, critical gender theory. This is massive. It's, it's absolutely brilliant. So each one looks separate, like beads on a necklace, but all the beads are connected. You hold the bunch of grapes. Each grape is separate, but they're all connected with the twigs and the branches. And the main stem you hold at the top, that's the Communist Party. The vine it's on is the World Communist uh, Movement. Absolutely brilliant. You got it. I know you feel it. And we have to build a real massive knowledgeable anti-communist movement. It's not good enough to be non-communist. We have a communist movement. We have non-communist. We need some way. If you have a lot of fires, you need a fire department. Then you need an anti-arson squad to stop the people from making the fires. So these political and cultural fires that are around us, that's not spontaneous combustion. That's Marxist arsonist, if people understand the analogy I've been trying to make. So you're doing a great job. You've been right for decades. You've been right for decades, Jimmy, and now it's come full circle, hasn't it? Yes, and I'll be honest with you, I had a good time. I met important people. I met a couple of foreign presidents, leaders. I've been interviewed by intelligence agencies. But to tell you the truth, I kind of wish I didn't know it because life would have been a lot easier. I would have made a lot more money. Instead of spending my life savings trying to do this, I'm not a hero, and I'm not brilliant. I just spent time watching, attending their meetings, reading their publications. It really can't be called a conspiracy because most of what they do, they write about it. They talk about changing mass thought patterns. They talk about the radicalization process going on. They aimed to get control of the schools, the unions, the media. They've achieved all of that. It, it's it's astounding how they could have done it like this. There's always been warnings. You know, Billy Mitchell, Colonel Billy Mitchell, warned that Japan was going to attack Pearl Harbor by using airplanes flying off. Oh, airport. yeah, and they, yeah. Uh, they, they pigeonholed him. They pushed him out. He got court-martialed, that's right. Yep. Came out exactly of nowhere, right. seemingly. And he was, like, parachuted right into the middle of this revolution, and he tried to stop all of these various parts of the communist movement. And they were all united. He exposed them all, but look what it cost him. Mm-hmm. I love Trump. I hope he hears this. I would love to meet Trump. I don't need pictures. I'm not a Sorry, I can't help you with that, Jimmy. I don't handle the travel arrangements and everything. I got to run. Thank you, Jimmy. Real fast here. Nikki Haley. According to our friends at Right Scoop, Nikki Haley sought a meeting with Donald Trump at Mar-a-Lago. It's being reported today by Politico that Nikki Haley had requested a meeting with Trump at Mar-a-Lago but was denied. The scoop is Nikki Haley reached out to former President Donald Trump on Wednesday to request a sit-down at Mar-a-Lago. But a source familiar tells Playbook that he turned her down. The two haven't spoken since, uh, they write, the insurrection. 
wasn't an insurrection, but that's what they're going to keep saying. And don't be embarrassed to say it wasn't an insurrection. If it had been an insurrection, the military would have moved in there, they would have taken it over, guns blazing, and the National Guard would be surrounding the Capitol building uh, in order to protect the, the insurrectionists. So the whole thing is BS. It was a horrible event, but an insurrection it wasn't. A source familiar tells Playbook that he turned her down. The two haven't spoken since January 6th when Haley blasted Trump for inciting his supporters to storm the Capitol. This is how political writes, because they know that the hacks that they are over there. I don't blame him. I don't blame him. And it wasn't just then. There were other occasions when Nikki Haley trashed him, too. So uh, I don't blame Trump. And there'll be a lot of potential candidates in 2024. If Donald Trump decides to run, it'll be Trump. If he decides not to run, there'll be many solid conservative candidates. And so we'll be watching very, very carefully. Because that's exactly what we're going to need to uh, try and unravel what Biden is doing, if we even can. But we've got to do the right thing. Mitch McConnell needs to be replaced. We've got to nominate the right people, people that Mitch McConnell and Thune and Cornyn do not like. And then we have to primary a number of these Republicans to bring in more conservatives who are concerned about the border, concerned about what's going on in our schools now, concerned about all these things that are taking place, rather than these senators who are just taking up space. And there's so many of them that fight like hell because they want to be senators, they want the prestige, they want to be called the honorable, but they do nothing for us, and they do nothing for the country. That's my view anyway. I'll be right back. Mark AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. Seems like everything that should be done, the Biden administration does the opposite, and to great danger. Breaking news, the Daily Mail. Secretary of State Antony Blinken says the U.S. is willing to meet Iran face-to-face for talks on returning to nuclear deal abandoned by Donald Trump. This is also the Associated Press. State Department says the U.S. will accept an invitation to join nuclear talks involving European powers who reached Iran deal. President Biden said he plans to rejoin talks after Trump pulled the U.S. out of the agreement. Secretary of State Blinken met with counterparts 
deal was negotiated under President Obama and involved, and you know what it involved. First, Biden apologizes for the communist Chinese genocide. You know, it's a different cultural thing, ladies and gentlemen. They want unity over there. Now, he all the benefits, all the progress we've made in dealing with Iran, now they're about to reverse all of it. And the one country that they're going to put the uh, screws to is Israel. Now, this is the problem with the Democrat Party. Anti-Semitic, anti-American. Undermines, you know, they talk about, we have to be part of an international society. They just don't think we should be part of it. In other words, our culture, our principles, our values are not to be pressed, not to be promoted. Those of enemy states, those of genocidal regimes, those are to be promoted. And the reason they hate Israel is the same reason they hate us in America. Values, faith, principles. It's just absolutely shocking. And where's the news coverage tonight? Where's Mitch McConnell tonight? Is he still chasing down Trump? The dumb bastard? That's right, I call him that. Sick of it. Sick of how he's attacked the Tea Party. How he's undermined the conservative movement. Sick of his cheerleaders in the media. All their political guns should be focused on Biden and what Biden's doing. Do you hear anything from John Thune? Has John Thune said anything? John Cornyn said anything? The senator from West Virginia, whatever the hell her name is, you hear from her? How about Murkowski? You don't hear from any of them. None of them stand up for the country. It's unbelievable. All right. Let's take another call. Let's go to Derek Long Beach, New York, the great WABC. Go right ahead. Hey, Mark. Thank you for all you do. All right, uh, buddy. My condolences to the loss of your friend. Uh, I was thinking about what Mr. Hansen was talking about, about virtue and Rush Limbaugh. And being a virtuous man of ideal and principles, uh, and uh, you touched me when you shared about your personal contact with Mr. Limbaugh. And I just wanted to say that although we or you cannot rally around the man, you can, we can now rally around his principles and his ideals and his virtue and who he is. I think now, uh, I think of Mr. Limbaugh as a warrior, or Theoden King in the uh, Tolkien trilogy when he was maimed and down, and we rally around the king. So now's the time to reform the line as conservatives and fight, and I appreciate you putting in the fight. I wanted to speak to that, to virtue and the slimes in the Democratic Party. I watched the entire House Financial Services Committee today, and it was disgusting. But what I thought was about the unvirtuous ideologues that they are, they just wanted to prop up their agenda and not really, in the committee process, ask concerted, pointed, well-thought-out questions. They were all reading from scripts. And I thought and I had some hope that a majority of the Republicans had an idea of the concepts and what moves the market and we're really looking for answers as to what really happened. And I watched Ortez and Tlaib just prop up their agenda and Tlaib bully one of the witnesses and then you know, suggest that one of these young capitalists, these men that were questioned, take a share of their profits and just give it to some form of social services, a new yeah. form of social services. It was disgusting. But I had hope that 
we were the people who were going to ask the right questions and look for the right answers and what's best for all. It was just a disgusting display, and they showed that they were unvirtuous ideologues who have an agenda. Mm-hmm. And it, it, was just, it was just great to see it. I just wanted to share about that. And, and it gave me hope. It really gave me hope. Uh, men like you, Sean Hannity, Laura Ingram, Rush Limbaugh. I've, I'm 54, and I've been a right-to-life Republican since I'm 21. And that's what I stand in. That's the virtue I stand in, the character. You know, they could not give these people the patience and the tolerance and the reserve to let them answer the questions intellectually okay, and give them a friend. real answer so they can make a concerted decision to really get to the bottom of what transpired. We All right. Know. I appreciate your call. Very, very good call. Excellent call. Again, I won't be here tomorrow. Um, my buddy Rich from uh, WPHT, Richie Z, will be here. And... Um, I will be back on Monday. I want to encourage you to watch Life, Liberty, and Levin. It's a very special one. I think anybody who loves Rush will will want to watch it. 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, And you can DVR it if you can't watch it live. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. And I want to thank you, my beloved audience, for everything. I'm blessed to have you there. God bless you, and take care of yourself. From the Westwood One Podcast Network.